But uh, it is it is so great to be with you, and um, just when I look at what God's doing in your life and in Brittany's life, we're just overjoyed. And as we were driving up here, it's interesting because as we were driving up, Sherry goes, Wrightsville Assembly of God, my wife, she says, wow, I was here as a teenager. And as we pulled up and we came in, let me just say, this building looks nothing like it did when you were here as a teenager. This looks phenomenal. I love what you've done to this place. In fact, if you saw me out in the lobby, I was taking some pictures because I, I just met a few weeks ago with another pastor who is just saying, you know, we're just, we need to make some changes to our building. And as I was, as I was walking through, I'm like, I'm going to send him the pictures. I'm going to tell him, you need to bring your church board, your leadership team here and see what you guys have done. You've done an outstanding job. This looks awesome, guys. Incredible. And let me just say, I love the spirit here. And, uh, you know, as, as worship starts, I just, I, I just looked over at my wife. I said, they're worshipers here. Some people just come and they just sing songs on Sunday morning. But there's a real heart to say, God, we just, we just want to worship you and, and just lift up your name. And uh, there's an intimacy with God. You can sense this. This is a place of hope. And how many of you know hope changes everything? And, and with that, that, that it's not just about a building, it's about the people, and it's about what God's doing here. And let me just say, it's not just about people that are here, but it's the people that are not yet here. And so, you know, I, I'm just, I'm looking, I'm saying, wow, and, and, and get ready, uh, two services right around the corner. You could just tell. I mean, it just, you, you, there's something exciting happening here, and we just thank God for, for what's happening, and, 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 and Aaron and Pastor Aaron and Day, you guys have done a remarkable job. And just, aren't you glad that God brought them here? Amen. And I was upstairs. They were showing me the upstairs and the kids area. And I saw very cool, a rock climbing wall for kids. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself that, and I just said, you know, Chris, did, did like Pastor Aaron, as he's been practicing to climb the mountains, did, did he open up the windows upstairs and maybe you brought the hose in and you iced it down? He could be practicing on the rock climbing wall, but, um, that's, it's awesome. You know, he works hard. It's good to play hard. And, uh, we just thank God for just God bringing this couple here to Wrightsville Assembly of God. And, and thank you for embracing them and letting them lead. And they've led well and you've led well together. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about hope in the time that I have this morning. And, you know, and, and with that, looking at the hope that, that, that we all need in our lives. Anybody here need hope today? Come on. And, you know, as we walk through things, and some of you have had a tough week, and some of you have had a tough life, and you're like, you know what, I just need hope. I need hope. And we're going to look at what hope says. And, and here's one of the things. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Uh, is anybody familiar with the term ROI? So if you're a business person, ROI means what? Return on investment. And so it means return on investment. And so what that means is that if you put time into this, you make this investment. Is there a return on that investment? And what you see here in Ecclesiastes, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It's a return on that investment. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So, for instance, why are you guys doing life groups? You're doing life groups because we don't do life together or we don't do life alone. We do it better together. 
And so when we look at that, when you come together, if one falls down, you lift the other up, one up. I, I've been a part of a life group that meets on Thursday mornings. And guys, let me tell you, uh, we need more men life leaders just kind of looking through the crowd and, and thank God for the women that have stepped up and some of the couples that have. But I'm looking through it. I'm like, come on, guys. Some of you guys kind of working with this, but when I, I'm part of a men's group and we meet on Thursday mornings and we do life together. And this is exactly what we've experienced that when one guy's having a tough time, we're able to encourage one another and just come on, keep going and just kind of, and, and working through. And so, uh, as we kind of walk through all those things, two are better than one. And as we work through this, there's a good return. You know, we talk about hope. One of the things about hope is, there's so many different areas, and when you look at hope, there's so many different ways you can go in this. And, and I want to talk about two of those today. Ray Johnstone, he made a quote in his book, uh, The Hope Quotient, and he said this, A few years ago, I had the privilege of meeting with a leading psychologist who had built his career around working with deeply troubled married couples who had been damaging their relationships for decades. How did they do it? He said, I just try to get 10% improvement. He said, when couples get that 10% improvement, they get hope. And when someone gets hope, anything is what? Possible. Anything is possible. We sang about he's the God of the impossible. And so when we look at that, today we want to just kind of, we want to get some hope. And maybe it'll move something along in your mind and your spirit that'll give you that 10% nudge that's going to help you to move into that area. Now, there's two things we're going to talk about. The first one is we're going to talk about how do we replace burnout with balance. Take a look at this couple. Uh, do you guys look like that in the morning when you get up? Kind of that glazed look in your eyes, kind of like, oh, here we go again. And so as we kind of walk through that, how do we replace burnout with balance? Well, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says this, those who, what? Hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. By the way, any Philadelphia Eagle fans in the house? Okay, thank you for the eight of you, and uh, it's good. Just curious, any New York Giant fans? Okay, good. We're set. One. Okay, there you go. Any uh, any Pittsburgh Steelers fans? Wow, wherever I go, you guys are everywhere. How about how about Dallas Cowboy fans? Everybody say, boo. Sorry, <laughs> Pastor's wife. Oh, sorry. Never be invited back now. So. Is Pastor Aaron a Dallas Cowboy fan too? Oh, wow. I'm going to pray extra hard for you guys. How about any Jesus fans? Any Jesus fans in the house? You know, so we look at this, and uh, those, they will soar on wings like eagles. And not the Philadelphia Eagles, but the other eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And as we walk through that, if we get hope, it does something. It energizes us. I know as a sports fan, every time the beginning of the season starts, like, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year that they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, you know. And, uh, and, and it doesn't always work out that way. Because I'm hoping in a team, <laughs> I'm not hoping in Jesus. You know, when we look at this, when we place our hope and our trust in God, God's able to do something incredible in our lives and in our spirits. You know, as we look through and kind of walk through it, the least obeyed verse in the Bible is this, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am what? I am God. We need to get off the treadmill and focus on the things that matter most in our lives. No one who is stressed and overwhelmed has hope. So uh, anybody own a basset hound? Just curious. How many of you, how many own a dog? Okay, so dog lovers, you know, that's awesome, and, and walking through. There was, a, there was an article that was in the Tacoma newspaper a few years back, 
And it was about this dog named Tattoo, okay, a basset hound. As you see, basset hounds aren't exactly built to run. You know what I'm saying? And they've got these short legs and kind of, and stubby kind of a body, but basset hounds, and you're cute, and then kind of walking through that, but, uh, so Tattoo is the name of this dog. The dog's name is Tattoo, and Tattoo's just enjoying a nice day in Tacoma, Washington, and until the neighbor, or until their owners get the car leash stuck in the car door, and Tattoo is outside of the car, and the car takes off. And uh, as the car's driving down, you know, in, in the neighborhood, fortunately, there's a police officer. Thank you for being here today. And uh, But fortunately, there's a police officer that stopped him and, uh, and said, you've got a problem here, you know, you, your, your dog. And, and so what was happening is Tattoo was, like, running as fast as he could to kind of stay up. And then he would slide over on his side, and he'd slide a little bit and then kind of get right side up and try to do it again. And, in fact, the article said he was putting him up and putting him down just as fast as he could. How many of you feel like you're going through life like Tattoo? You're just putting him up and putting him down. Sometimes you're sliding, being pulled, and kind of walk through that. By the way, Tattoo's okay. Uh, thanks for the officer. But uh, when we look at that. Some of us go through life like Tattoo. And when I look at this, it's, God, how do we change this? How do we do this in our life? So uh, let me give you a quiz today. This is a John Ortberg. It's called the hurry quiz. And let's just see how you do with hurry and stress and all those things. So, you know, most of us have ten fingers. So on each finger, I'd like you to kind of count off here. The first one is, do you live with a daily sense that there's never enough time to accomplish everything that you need to get done? Okay. How many of you got that one? Okay. Uh, here's another one. Do you find yourself talking faster because there's so much to say? Okay. How we doing? Okay. Do you nod a lot when a person is talking slowly in an effort to keep them moving? Okay. Chris, I see you nodding over here. They're trying to get me to move along. Okay. Uh, number four. When people are talking too slowly, do you ever find yourself wanting to or actually finishing their sentences? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, number five, do you multitask and try to get more than one thing done at a time on a regular basis? Okay. Number six, do you have a, I mean, by the way, how many have got all five? Okay. So yeah, <laughs> this section, all the Eagle fans, <laughs> just kind of noticing that. But, uh, number six, do you have a big pile of magazines, newspapers, and books to read someday? Um, do you live with your life driven by schedules and to-do lists? Do you find it difficult to say no when others are asking you to do things that will add one more item to your schedule? It's tough to say no. Number nine, when you stop at a red light with two or more lanes with cars in them, do you ever try to anticipate which car looks faster so you can get behind that car and save a few seconds when the light turns green? Come on. I'm curious. How many of you do that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not alone on that one. Okay, last one. Here we go. Do you ever try to gauge which line in the grocery store will be the quickest in getting that line? Yeah, that's it. Both hands on that one, right? Okay. And if it turns out you picked the slower line, it bugs you. Come on. Come on. So how did you do it? Anybody get one full hand? Where's the guy saying you got at least one full hand? Anybody got both hands? Oh, I'm so glad you came today. This is good. And uh, so as we kind of walk through that. The reality is that we live with hurry. We live with this pace that's not sustainable over the long haul. And so as we look at that, what, what, what that does in our spirits isn't always the healthiest. So John Ortberg says this. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. 
And so, you know, you say, okay, Tom, well, I understand that, but, you know, is this just John Orberg? Well, let's look at what Jesus says. And turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And so Jesus, again, he's going from town to town. He's ministering to people in different villages. And so in verse 38, we read this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha, you get the gold star. Because it wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus and 12 disciples. So at least 13 people. And there was always a few more people that came along. But at least 13 people. So Jesus has come to the village. She opens her home. And she's going to prepare a meal for him. So isn't that great? So Martha, thumbs up, Martha. That's awesome. And so she's got great intentions. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Jesus comes in the house, and as he comes into the house, the disciples, they all sit down. And and Mary is just having this, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's soaking up his conversation. She's listening to what he's saying and what he's teaching, and just like, wow. She's marveling in the presence of Jesus. But Martha was what? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. How many of you get distracted by preparations? Come on. So I I know that in our life, and and my wife, she's a great hostess, but I know that I can't just spring things on her suddenly. I've got to give her some lead time because it just kind of like, and so because she's got to start, you know, I mean, our house looks clean all the time. But if we invite somebody over, she's got, she starts the deep cleaning part. And so for me, I'm like, hon, just kind of go through a surface, make sure, you know, nothing's... For her, it's like she'll start cleaning in the, in the closet in our bedroom. I'm like, they're not going to see the closet in our bedroom. And so no one's going to see that. She goes, yeah, but I know it's not clean. I see a couple over here laughing. Is that you guys? Same thing? So kind of, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, you know, how many of you like that? See, you get that. Do the deep cleaning because it's going to look good and it's got to look great. Well, well, that's how she's wired. And so Martha is, is she's all these preparations that had to be. I mean, somebody's got to somebody's got to get all the food together. Somebody's got to prepare it. Somebody's got somebody's got to make the table look phenomenal. Somebody's got to make the table look great. And so she's, you know, I mean, and this was before Pinterest, so she had to come up with all these ideas by herself, you know. And so Martha's, she's moving along, and she finally, she can't take it anymore. She goes to Jesus, and she says this, Lord, don't you care? (laughs) I love that. She's asking Jesus if he cares. Think about that. Jesus, Son of God, don't you care? I think sometimes when we're stressed, When we're overwhelmed, when we lose hope in our life, sometimes we ask God those same questions. God, don't you care? Are you even listening? Are you even aware of what I'm going through? Let me just say that today, if you've come and you're going through something and you're having those questions with God, God's big enough to handle those. Okay, he's big enough to handle those. Those are honest, sincere questions. So she goes, you know, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister, uh, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Here's what happens. God calls us to do things, and we're in our gift mix, and suddenly we think everybody else should have the same gift mix we have. 
And so that's where we sometimes get into trouble. It's like, you know, God calls us and, and it's just like, you know, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do this. And it's like, and we're like, okay, we're doing it. And we look around and other people aren't doing the same thing we're doing. It's like, you need to do the same thing that I'm doing. Everybody needs to find out how they're wired and what God's called them to do. And so what happens here is that she starts, and this is when we're under stress, what do we do? We start pointing our finger at everybody around us. We're not happy with anybody when we're living this kind of a pace. And tell her to help me. So now Martha's attitude is, I'm going to serve Jesus. And then with this, she ends up saying, I want Mary to serve me so that I could serve Jesus. And it gets twisted. God's called all of us, by the way, to serve. We are better together, and we are called to serve. And we all serve one another. That's how, what makes marriages great. By the way, if you're married here, to, marriages are great when we understand we're both called to serve the other. And we live that way. Not like, you know, I've, I've sometimes been with guys and, and guys are like, you know, I'm the head of the house. She's got to do what I said to do. Yeah, we're called men. We're called to serve our wives like Christ loves the church and gave himself for her, the church. God's called us to do the same thing. And so it's mutual submission to one another. But that's not what you see here. So she's like, you know, she's, she's now on this little bit of a power trip. And then what does Jesus do? You know, Jesus responds to her, Martha, Martha. You know, so just kind of brings her back. Hey, this is, this is lit, lit. what's happening inside of Martha? What's happening inside your spirit today? You're worried and upset about many things. And were they all things of value? I'm sure that they were things that had some importance. But what does Jesus do? Jesus calls her back to the priority of it all. And this is what he says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. He brings her back to the whole thing. Now, I know what Martha's that are in here are thinking. Type A people that are kind of, we, we, we understand this. We, I understand this. We're like, yeah, sure. Did you really want to get fed today, Jesus? Come on, we're here. I'm going to feed you. Jesus says, look, if we have to skip a meal, it's not the end of the world. And I think for all of us, getting to that place in our life where we understand the most important things. Here's the thing. And this happens with as, as a parent. I, I know the phase that we had with our girls where we were like going to everything, you know, bringing them to this event, bringing them here. They had this practice and, and you're running back and forth and you're doing all those things. And you're doing it because you love your kids, Right. But sometimes we get so stressed that that very thing that God's called us to do or that we feel that we're doing it out of love for our kids, our spirits can get out of whack and we could be like, like totally have the wrong attitude. So I remember one year, uh, I'm an elder at Glad Tidings Church, GT Church in Reading, and I was on staff there. And uh, when I was on staff, I did kids ministry, I did youth ministry, I was family life. And so, you know, I, I wore a lot of different hats. And so... It was Christmas time, and that one Christmas season, we had the morning Christmas kids program, and that evening, we had the youth program. And I remember kind of like, you know, and I was in charge of both of them. In fact, I'd written both of those productions. And so, uh, you know, I'm like, so everything's kind of on my back. I, I wasn't really wise. I didn't bring a team around me. And so I'm trying to do I'm, I'm the Lone Ranger. I'm trying to do it all. And as I'm doing it, the, the morning went good, and now we're practicing last practice, uh, changing over all the sets in the stage for the evening, and, and something happened. 
I became this lunatic. And it's like, how did that happen? And I'm realizing here I am trying to serve Jesus and I'm doing it with a crummy attitude. And I had to call a timeout and kind of pull myself aside and say, that, that, I, I know that the show and getting everything and the production and all that has to be good, but I can't allow the work of God to destroy God's work in me. And so I needed to step back and just make sure that my heart and my spirit was right. It happens in ministry. It happens in our families. It happens in our relationships. It happens at work. God, help us when we're trying to do that right thing. And so Jesus calls her back. Mary has chosen what is better. We've got to figure out what the better is in our life. How do we prioritize what the better is and it will not be taken away from her? So God, help us to do that in our lives. You know, John Ortberg, he comes back and he says, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And I find that sometimes if I'm not careful, I can really, really end up having some real issues with this because I'm driven. I'm a type A person. So I, I understand this. Uh, so here's a couple things. What do you do? How do you replace burnout with balance? One of the things we need to do, we actually have to practice slowing down. We've got to figure it out. Life's not a race. And so, you know, we work through that. Um, how do we come to that place where we slow down? In fact, there's a principle that says that it's called slowing. And it means that sometimes when you're, you know, when, when you're like, you, you know, you're driving down a road and somebody's about to pull out. I mean, there's certain places nobody lets anybody pull out. What if we got to the place where we just began to let people go? Intentionally just said, I'm, I, I, you know what? I know I'm not going to break any records here. Go ahead. And so that same thing, you know, where we intentionally get to that place in our life where we say, I need to kind of put the brakes on this and I need to intentionally slow down. I find that in the morning, one of the things that I do is that I take some time and I now sit down and I take out a journal and I write down. So at the beginning of the week, I'll write down all the things that I need to accomplish for the week. So I've got all those things. I got my list. And then I look and I prioritize. And one of the things that I do is I look, what's that one thing? That, that I need to at least do some work on, heavy lifting on today. What's that one thing I need to accomplish? This would, this would be a great day. And then with that, I'll list a couple other things. I try not to list 50 things in one day because I know I'll get frustrated with that. What's that one thing that's going to help move the ball down the field and work through that? But I find that at the beginning of the, the day, I'll just kind of take some time and I'll slow down and I'll slow down in the presence of God and just say, God, Here's, here's, here's the things that I need to accomplish today. Uh, or here's the things I'd like to accomplish. But what's that one thing today that I need to make sure that I do? And so looking at some of those things and making sure that that's set in my life. And if, and if I don't slow down, what often happens for a lot of us is that we move from one person pushing an urgent thing to another urgent to another urgent to another urgent that we never get to the important. So that's why it's really important that we sit down and just kind of say, okay, I need to kind of help figure out what's that thing that's not just urgent, but that thing that's important. Because then we're able to kind of press in and work through that. So slowing down helps us to do that. And with that, let me just say slowing down in the presence of God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. You know, when we look at it, no one does well when running on empty. This is about building your relationship with God to levels of strength that you may have never experienced before. So taking some of that time in the morning where I'm just like, you know what, I just need to have my center and I need to do that. Now, some of you, how many of you are night owls? Come on, where's the night owls? Okay. Uh, so, you know, being a night owl, and I understand the energy that you get. Some of you get stronger in the course of a day. It's like, wow, you know, this is great. 
And so being a night owl, sometimes the focus of that is like, well, I like to spend my time with God at the end of the day. I understand that. But make sure at the beginning of your day there's an opportunity for you to focus. So where you take some time and just say, I just need to really kind of make sure that I know where I'm going today and that I'm centered on who's helping me to get there. You know, the other thing is unplugging. And this is a huge thing. So unplugging. How many of you are connected to technology? Come on. Anybody remember uh, any Star Trek fans around here? Where's the Trekkies? Come on. There you go. See the Trekkies. There you go. Uh, you know, there was uh, the Borg. You remember the Borg? And the whole thing with the Borg is I remember early on hearing about the Borg, and their whole thing is, you know, we will assimilate you. You will be assimilated. And when, when I see us with our smartphones... I just say, we've been assimilated. We really have. It's the Borg. It's here. I, and Facebook is probably one of the leading ones. Now, again, it may be Instagram for you or Twitter or whatever the case is. Or maybe it's Pinterest, ladies. But anyway, uh, you know, kind of walking through that. But we've been assimilated into this whole social media kind of thing. And sometimes we just need to unplug. So uh, we take a family vacation. We're at the Grand Canyon. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's just amazing. And what am I doing? I'm getting my phone out so I can take a picture so I can put it on Facebook. Really? Is that my high priority to make sure that I'm connecting with my Facebook community? I'm like, this is out of whack. I need to be present with my family. And and there's times where, and my wife, she knows that I'm a recovering person with this. I'm, I'm kind of like, this is technology. I've got a technology addiction. And, and there's times where, I mean, I find myself, I take out the phone and I put it on the table. We'd be eating, eating dinner and take out the phone and I put it right there. What's the hidden message in that? The hidden message is that this thing is standing between you and I. And so, uh, and my girls have been really, really good. They're like, you know, Dad, put that thing away. And so kind of walking through. And let me just tell you, this technology, the technology, and, and you would know, just it, it gets even worse when we look at the distracted driving, the dangers of that that it causes. And so we're kind of like, okay, we've got to just really, we've got to unplug from this. And for some of us, we don't have margins in these areas. And it's causing all kinds of problems and, and issues. And so getting to that place where we just say, I'm going to take a break from this. And so what I did is when I recognized, and, and I've done this several seasons of my life, where I've recognized this thing has control over me, I'm not controlling it. So when I'm thinking more about the, the, the social community that I'm thinking about this, and I'll just I'll unplug, and I'll just, you know, I'll get off Facebook, I'll take a break from it, whatever the case is. So I think that there's some great things that connects us with people. It's nice. But you can get really depressed on, on social media. Here's what happens. There's two types of people that post the most on social media. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first person that posts too much information. So they have, you know, they've got a fight with somebody. Next thing you know, it's on social media for everybody to see. And so uh, I, I remember interviewing, for, for interviewing a person for a position. And uh, somebody came to me. I mean, it, it was a great interview. A really nice person. They came to me and said, hey, have you seen this post? And they showed me the person posted it, and she threw her husband under the bus. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, if she does that to her husband about this, What's she going to say about me as her boss? So guess who didn't get the job? You know, sometimes we've got to know. There's just certain things. I don't need to know about every drama in your life, right? How many of you agree with that? So for some of us, 
Have a best friend and text them that. But don't put it for everybody in the whole lot. That's the first group. The second group of people that everything in their life is always amazing. You know what I'm saying? So there's people that post too much. There's other people that like post this unrealistic thing. And, and it's just when you look at this, that they never post any of the drama. It's just like, hey, here we are. And so it's kind of like Pastor Aaron today is probably going to have a great picture. Here I am on the top of Mount Washington, you know, with the ice pick in my hand and the whole bit. That's great. We celebrate that. But for some of us, we get so frustrated because our life looks so boring compared to everybody else around us having fun. So take a break from it because sometimes it can help actually cause more depression in our lives because the reality is we all have stuff happen in our lives. You know, I think we need to really encourage that we build some good supply lines in our life. So what does that look like? First of all, you need to invest in your own growth. How are you personally growing in your life? If we're going to work through that, there's got to be some areas that we are growing. The second thing is don't underestimate the power of worship. I know that sometimes, you know, that, that, that life is kind of crazy, and if you put some music in and some music that helps kind of settle your spirit and kind of walk through that opportunity to worship, it just gives you perspective on, on our lives and what the things are that are most important. Unleash the Bible into your life uh, where we get the word. That's why life groups again. That's why today, you coming and making an investment in your life today, there's going to be a return on investment because you're saying, hey, I want to get God's word in me. I want to really have some, some scriptural principles that are going to help guide my life. And that helps, that helps us. Here's number nine, or D rather, uh, build great relationships. Investing in relationships. So again, you know, making sure that we're taking the time. So yesterday, I'm having lunch at Chipotle. And as I'm having lunch at Chipotle, I see, you know, this, this couple coming, and they got these two little girls, like four and six years old. And these little girls are giggling, and they start dancing, and I start crying. You go, really? I mean, my eyes are welling up with tears because I'm brought back like 23 years ago and my girls. And I'm like, oh, I miss those days. I miss those days. Here's the reality. Some of us are going through so much stress in our life that we're missing those days right in front of us and enjoying every phase of life that we have with our kids and with the people that are closest with us and being intentional in that. Because, you know, it's not sometimes, uh, you know, my, I, my oldest girl is in Argentina right now, a little far away. And when I look through that, I'm just like, you know what, help me every day to appreciate what I have, but also... There's some opportunities that we have right now that we're not going to get back. So if you've got young kids, man, enjoy those times. I know sometimes. We'll, and I see the mom. The mom's like, you know, shh, shh be quiet. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, just let them have fun. This is an amazing thing. You know, when we look through, here's another one. Pay attention to whose voice you're listening to and making sure that we got the right voices around us. And the last thing I added this one, supply lines is exercise, physical exercise. So, uh, you know, again, I think, Chris, when you first met me, I was 47 pounds heavier than I am today about five years ago. And so I, that's three bowling balls that I was carrying. You know, think about that. Three extra bowling balls I was bringing with me everywhere I went. And so it's like, man, I've got to make some changes. And so I, I began, I cut down on what I ate. I actually became a pescatarian, not a Presbyterian, a pescatarian. 
And a pescatarian is a person who just eats fish, and, and just, so I eat fish and vegetables. And I wasn't just a vegetarian, but I eat fish too. So and I cut off meats. And people are like, wow, are you opposed to meat and the whole thing? It wasn't about that. It was I, I grew up on a Wawa hoagie. You know what I'm saying? Everything was a hoagie. I'm from West Philadelphia, born and raised. And so everything was, was a hoagie. And I had to get away from sandwiches. And really, to be honest, you can only eat tuna, so many tuna fish sandwiches. And so I had to actually kind of get off the carb kind of a deal. And that helped me to do that. So for about two years, I was a pescatarian. And so with that, I found that, you know, just making that adjustment in my life helped me to lose some weight. And then the other thing is working out and getting to a point where I start working out. So, you know, uh, four times this week, I hit the gym at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, doing a spin class, which is kind of really crazy. And I'm just like, you know, it's where you, like, are pedaling like crazy and going nowhere. How many of you feel like your life is like that? But, you know, kind of walking through that. But what I've recognized, and, and I don't know how this works, because here's the deal. Some of us say we don't have time to exercise. What I find is that I'm more efficient if I'm in physical shape, that I don't get tired as much. And, and, and again, I don't understand how, you know, by exercising at 530 in the morning, I have more energy in the middle of the day. I don't understand how that would. To me, it sounds counter. But something about our bodies and how they function, it just so with that adding that physical exercise piece is that is 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 really key. And again, whatever it is, find something that you enjoy doing. Maybe it's climbing mountains, you know. Uh, but whatever that might mean, maybe just starting and walking. But start somewhere and kind of walking through that. Because and you go, well, I don't have time for that. Let me tell you that the things that we invest in. So when we invest time in God. We you got to get the big rocks in place. We invest time with God. We invest time with taking care of our bodies. It gives us that energy. It gives us that focus to be able to accomplish the things we really need to at the end of it all. Because here's the difference. They're going to either pay now or pay later. And so if we recognize that, that's a return on investment. So here's the question for you. What is one thing that you can do this week to replace burnout with balance? I've thrown a lot of things out there. Is there one thing? Anybody got one thing in their minds? I'm not going to call on you. But how many of you go, okay, that's one thing. So, yeah. And so when you look through it, what's that one thing in our life that we're going to say, here's what we're going to try to do to try to kick into gear. So when you look at that, here's the other thing we need to do is we need to refocus on the future. Some of us have been living in the past, so we need to refocus on the future. Here's a picture from our wedding and uh, from my daughter's wedding, and you'll notice there's me with my three daughters. And uh, actually, that's my wife right there on the end, but she looks like my girls. And uh, and, and when you look through... Uh, this end is Brandon and uh, Brittany. Yeah, it's like, did you forget their names? No. Brandon and Brittany, and they actually, they, they run a frozen yogurt business in the summer in Buffalo, New York, and they work in the Carlisle area during the school year. She teaches, and he works at our, our conference center, the Bajorno Conference Center. And then next is, is Courtney and Stephen, and they're in Argentina, missionaries in Buenos Aires. And so, you know, every time you have a wedding, the focus is, ah, we're going to have such a wonderful future together, and it's going to be great And working through that. How many of you know you need to keep the focus on the great part? Because life can come at you, and what can happen is that we can end up getting sucked in to looking back all the time. And I think that's one of the things that's hurt a lot of marriages along the way, by the way. They forget about some of those high marks, and they start looking and so I was sharing at a couple's retreat about a month ago, and as we were talking a little bit about this, I had a couple, great couple come up to me, both in the medical profession and, and just, and with it, I just recognized the fact that they're both so overwhelmed, 
They've got so much stress in their life. And now what happens is they keep pointing at all the pressure points and all the fights they're having. And I just said, hey, time out. Do you have anybody that can babysit your kids? They said, yeah, we do. And I said, set up a date night. And what I'd like you to do is prepare for the date night. And I'd like you each to sit down and write, what were the things that you loved about this person when you got married to them? Think about those things. And what I'd like you to do is on that date night, I'd like you to pull out your list and I'd like you to read it to each other. Don't talk about anything that's happened that's been bad in the past. Let's put a period on it and let's move forward. Because when you look at this, here's, uh, nobody goes forward well when they're looking back. How do you finally let go of the past and catch a fresh vision from God for your future? Paul talked about that in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 3.13, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And so we look at that, and that's that one thing. Counseling, I think, has a great role and helps us to kind of sort through and work through. But sometimes we need to move from a counseling phase to a coaching phase where we start looking and saying, okay, how are we going to move forward in this thing? Because counseling just looks back. Coaching says, how do we move forward? And I think in our lives, how do we do that? What's that? Because do you really want to live in the past? Do you really want to live in the past? Many times we focus on what was. Churches do that. Marriages do that. Relationally, we do that. Do you really want to focus? Do you want to go back to this phase? Look at the mullet. Do you really want to go back to the mullet? Uh, you know, when we look at that, and some of us, you know, I mean, some of you just kind of, the, the family pictures of the past. I love this one. Take a look at this one. Star Wars, may the force be with you. Kind of walking through that. The things that, the things that you do when you have young kids. Look at this guy with like the Winnie the Pooh stage. I don't know how the wife got Chris. I don't know how Brittany got Chris to do this. I don't know how she did that, Chris. But no, that's not really Chris. Uh, it's okay. Uh, how many of you remember these family photos? Look at this one here. This is the family that caters together, stays together. And uh, anyway, but I'm sorry. If you have a picture like that, I know how it happens. You're, you're at the shore. Everybody's going to wear a white shirt. I get it. It looks great. Anyway, but uh, here's the next one. Look at this picture. I love this family photo. Okay. Where did this kid on the end come from? <laughs> Just kind of. And um, how many of you feel like that? Some of us feel... Like we've been the black sheep of the family. Some of us feel like we never connected with our family. At some point, at some point, we have to put a period on it and say, how are we going to move forward with this? Uh, I remember when I started working in Pendel Ministry Network, and uh, my predecessor said, okay, here's the deal. You can blame everything on me for the first year. But after that, it's all on you. And I think sometimes in our families, you've got to get to the point where you put a period on it and say, okay, I need to move forward. Um, by the way, here's my favorite picture. Take a look at this one. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, sometimes families can be scary. Sometimes families can be scary. Um, some of us are hurt because it wasn't that there was too much love, but there wasn't enough love. And we, we walk through that, and, and, and sometimes it can paralyze us. God wants to give you a fresh hope. I love the church because I think the church offers an opportunity to get families right. Personally in our families, but also there's people that I connect with in church that they're, they're, they're like spiritual mothers and fathers to me. They're like spiritual brothers and sisters. You know, when I look through and see how does this all work in your life and in my life, 
So, you know, my family tree is a family shrub. I grew up in a family that had, I've had three dads in my life. Mom and dad got a divorce when I was just a preschooler. And then, um, then two years later, my mom had remarried and there was a knock on the door. It was 1969. And my stepfather was, uh, his helicopter was shot down. And he was killed in Vietnam. Dad number three comes into our life uh, about two years later. And he was with us for five years until we find out that he was cheating on my mom. And not just once, but he had two other families. So he was like, when he, he was an attorney for a major oil company, and when he was in Texas, he had a mistress down there. And then also on weekends when he was supposedly traveling, he had another family that he was playing dad to. And I remember how devastating that was in our life. What do you do when you don't have hope, when you lose hope in your life? You know, I think through in our lives those things that happen. And, and you know, getting to that place where we put a period... So I remember personally that in dad number three, what happened was, um, you know, we've got all this frustration. What are you going to do with this? Well, my uncle pulls over in the black Cadillac and, uh, you know, he was like a bag man for the mafia. And so pulls over in the black Cadillac. We get in it, my little Italian mom and I, and we drive to Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And as we're in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, um, you know, we drive through the the, uh, the development that he was living with his weekend family, and he freaks when he sees us out front. He's like, not here. And he pulls into his T-bird and drives into another area. And as he's there, he comes out, and we, we followed him over. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? Because when you sin, you don't want anybody to know. And he gets a crowbar. My uncle opens up the trunk and grits a crowbar because he's going to go after him with a crowbar. That's how my family of origin is going to express emotion. And my mom says, this is going the wrong way. So she kind of says, Joe, let him go. And, and so he, he drives off, and, um, and there we are. My mom goes inside a church. We're in the parking lot of a church. She said, I'll be back. In 10 minutes, she has a conversation. And he talks about how all this stuff is toxic, and she needs to let it go. And in it, here's what he says. He says that whoever it was that she talked to says that you need to give this to Jesus. And that day, she made that commitment. She gave her life to Christ. It totally changed our lives. See, hope changes everything. And we found that hope in Christ. It's really interesting to me because sometimes we understand that hope at that moment of of conversion. But let me just tell you, that same hope that was new, that was there at that moment of conversion is new every morning. It's new for us today. And that same hope that's able to help us. God has a vision for our lives. Dad number one, mom and dad... They didn't talk for years. In fact, my mom told me my dad was dead. She didn't want him in my life. I didn't see my dad for 19 years after they got divorced. But then we invited him to the wedding. And here's a picture of my dad dancing with Brittany and uh, my Brittany and at the wedding. And I'm thinking, how does God do that? How does God do that? He couldn't go back and, and redo everything in my life, but God gave him another chance with our kids. And I think for some of us, God wants us to dream again. God wants us to think through how are those things that can happen in our life. You know what? We're going to flip to the five categories of dreamers, the second from the last. And when we look at that, I think God wants us to have a fresh dream for some of us. So what does that look like? 
I think there's five categories of dreamers. There's those with no dream, with no dream for our life. We're kind of stuck. We're not going anywhere. Those with a low dream. You know, we never try anything great. Our, our, our bar is set really low. Those with the wrong dream. By the way, the grass is always greener. It's not on the other side. It's where you water it. And so when we look at this, and there's those with the wrong dream. Those with the vague dream. It's like, well, I kind of like God to do something. I have no idea what it is. And those with God's dream. God wants to give us a fresh dream today. For some of us, we're not walking with, with energy in our lives because we don't have a dream from God. We've got this other stuff happening here. But God wants to give us a fresh dream for our lives, for our marriages, for our families, for our church, for our ministry, whatever that might mean. How many of you want a fresh dream in your life, a God dream in our life? And so as we kind of close today, let me just tell you, hope changes everything in our lives. And so today, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask, and, and just as we look through it and we look at our lives, how many of you say right now, let's just bow our heads and this plane's coming in for a landing, and uh, as just kind of taking a moment to reflect on where you're at. And here's the question I've got for you. The question I have is in your life and as you live your life, how many of you say today, you know what, I need to kind of get to a place in my life where I'm not running from one thing to another thing to another thing? but where I'm placing God at the center of my life and I'm taking some time to slow down. I'm taking some time to build my supply lines. I'm taking some time to say, God, help me with all the stress that I'm feeling. And so as you look at your life, you go, you know what? Today, I just pray that God gives me that opportunity to really begin putting those best things in place first. How many of you say, today I'm I'm making a fresh commitment that I'm going to do that in my life? If that's your prayer, would you just slip up a hand? Yes, many hands going up. We say, God, help me to do that. You know, because sometimes we get out of focus. Some of us, we say, you know what? I need an attitude adjustment in my life because I find myself under so much stress that I'm kind of I'm pointing my fingers at other people. I don't like what's happening in my spirit. I want God to do something new in my life again. How many of you say, yeah, that's where you're at? You want God to just change your spirit so that you're not under all the stress, but you're allowing God's presence, God's grace to flow through you. Yes. Many of us are saying, yeah, do that in my life, God. How many of you today say, you know, Tom, you talked about putting a period on it. And there's some things in my past that I need to put a period on and I need to move forward in my life. Yeah. How many of you say that's where I'm at today? I'm putting a period. Today, I'm putting a period. Thank you. Thank you. Putting a period on it today. God, I'm I'm putting a period on it, and I need you to help me to move forward with this in my life. Anyone else today? You're putting a period on something. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? Thank you. We're putting a period on it. For some of us, we've kept a comma there, and we've paused, but we haven't really put a period and say, God, I want to move on with this thing. Help me to focus and refocus on the future. Last thing today is how many of you say, Tom, I need, I need God to give me a fresh dream. Maybe it's a fresh dream for your life. Maybe it's a fresh dream for your family. Maybe it's a fresh dream for ministry. Whatever area it is, you say, I need a fresh dream. Yes, yes, many, many. Chris, I remember when I met with you just two years ago, and you said, I need to figure this out, a fresh dream. What's God doing? God wants to give you a fresh dream today. He wants to start birthing something new in your life. Start listening to what he's speaking to you. God, you see our desires today, Lord God. You see where we're at. 
And God, we all know that that dream starts with placing Jesus first in our life. And maybe today you say, Tom, I've been doing everything in my own, but today I'm going to give my life to Jesus or I'm going to place Jesus first in my life again. I need to get back to, or I need to get to where that I need to be in my life. And that's where you're at. And you say, yeah, I'm placing Jesus first again today. Jesus is first again. If that's where you're at, just I'd like you to slip up a hand to say, yeah, pray for me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we've been so busy. Martha, Martha, filling your name. Just looking, you've been doing so many other things. Really, there's, there's, there's one thing. There's one thing. And God, we want to get this one thing right in our life. Thank you, Jesus. God, we give all this to you today. How many of you today say, you know what? I leave here today and I want to leave here with fresh hope in my life. That's where you're at. Fresh hope in my life. Anyone else? Fresh hope in my life. If you're here today and you go, I want to leave with fresh hope in my life, would you just stand right where you're at? Right where you're at. I know for some of you, are like, I don't, I don't even have the energy to do this. Where, wherever you, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just right where you're at, would you stand? If you just raised your hands, I need fresh hope in my life. Would you do that? Would you stand right where you're at? I need fresh hope in my life. Anyone else want to join them? You say, I need fresh hope in my life. Yes. Maybe physically, you're, you're working through something right now, and I, 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 I need fresh hope in this area. Maybe in a relationship. Maybe in a decision in your life. Yeah, I need that fresh hope in my life. Wherever you may be. Hope changes everything. What I'd like you to do is take a moment. Everybody look up. I'd like you to look at some of the people that are standing already. And we're going to stand together. And if you're close to them, I'd like you to come over and, and just kind of put your, you know, put your hand gently on them. And we just want to pray one for another today. Can we do that? Maybe if you're not anywhere close to them, grab the hand of somebody next to you if you feel comfortable. And let's just pray one for another. Lord, we pray today, Lord God. Let's stand together, all of us standing if we would. And make your way over if you want to pull out and just kind of get close to somebody. God, thank you for today. Thank you that we're here today. And thank you that you give fresh hope. For some of us, we've been living our life at a place where we go, God, we're walking through, but we need fresh hope today. You know that area of our life. I don't know. I'm a guest speaker, but you know. You're the God that knows everything about us. You know what's happening in our hearts and our spirits. And today, Lord God, we pray for fresh hope. We pray for our friend. We pray, Lord God, that you would just reach out to them and provide them with what they need today, Lord. We pray for fresh dreams today, Lord God. We pray, Father, for those that raise their hands, say, I need fresh hope. I need fresh dreams in my life. Lord, I want you to do something new in my life. God, for some of us, we look and say, hey, we need to make some changes because we've been, we don't like what happens when we're living under all this stress and all this hurry. And God, I know we have our list. We have all those things to do, but God, help us not to forget about the things that are the most important, the things that can anchor our soul in the midst of this. And God, we just pray, Lord God, that today that you would, would help us, Lord God, as we leave today to leave with renewed hope, with, to leave with renewed vision. Lord, for many of us, we put our, we put our hands up and said, today we're putting a period on something. Something that's been driving us nuts. Something that keeps reoccurring and coming back. Today we're putting a period on it. And we're praying, God, that you'd help us to move forward, Lord God. And to focus on what you want to do in our lives and through us. And God, we just place it in your hands. We place our life in your hands today. Father, for some of us, we're here today. And we're saying today we're going to put a period on our past. And we're going to let the blood of Jesus cover all our sin. 
Today we're going to ask Jesus Christ to come into our life and do something fresh within our life. God, we're going to give our life to Jesus and today we're making that decision to become a Christ follower. For some of us, Lord, we look back and go, yeah, we did that 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years ago. But Father, today we're doing it again. And we're saying, God, help us, Lord. That same grace that we faced in our life years ago, we ask for you to flood our life with that grace again right now, Lord God. Father, we we pray, Lord, that as we leave today, that we don't leave as people that have no hope, but, Lord, we leave as a people of hope. And, God, as we walk out these doors, help us not to be joy suckers. Help us to walk out these doors and to bring hope to other people in our family. Father, for some of them that are stuck, some of them that are so discouraged, help us, Lord God, to be able to encourage them and to bring hope to them. God, we pray, Father, for people in our community. Lord, some of us will go to a restaurant today. Help us, Lord God, to bring hope to that person that serves us. Lord, we pray for some of us, Lord, as we go to work, Lord, this week. Help us, Lord, to bring hope into their lives. Help us, Lord God, not to just experience hope, but help us, Lord God, to be able to share your hope with other people, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for our pastor. We thank you for Pastor Aaron. We thank you for for day. Lord, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for their ministries here, Lord God. We thank you for, uh, for Pastor Chris. And we pray, Lord God, for this whole team here, Lord. Thank you for Val. Lord, we thank you for all of them, how you've brought them here. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. Something amazing that's happening here at Wrightsville Assembly of God. We pray for a mighty anointing on these life groups tonight, Lord. May they be powerful, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for the people, Lord God, that are going to be here, that are coming to this church. They're not even walk through the doors of this church, but one day they're going to walk in here, Lord God, and they're going to find hope in Jesus. We pray, Lord God, looking ahead to Easter. Many times it's the only time people will come. Lord, help us, Lord, to invite people, Lord God. And Lord, we pray that when they they come here, Lord, that they'll find hope, hope that comes through Jesus Christ, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. We pray your blessing on this day as we leave. Thank you, Lord God, for the hope through Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Turn around. Give somebody a hug.